Hey guys, and welcome back to the Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. My name is Sai, like a sigh of relief, and thank you so much for joining us here today on this week's episode. Before I tell you anything about what is to come in the future minutes of this episode, I want to announce to you guys that we finally have a podcast Instagram, so if you want to stay in the loop, in touch with everything related to Brown Girl White Coat, you can go to Brown Girl White Coat Pod. Um... The Instagram, so at Brown Girl White Coat Pod. Um, Brown Girl White Coat was taken, unfortunately, so I had to add pod to the end of it. But on there, you can find all the latest news about new episodes that are coming out and just memes and things that are relatable and quotes and cute little motivational things to help you guys get through the weeks and just more things that are related to my life. I'll be posting a few stories on there that maybe you won't be able to see on my personal Instagram, which is at Cybear. So I'll leave everything in the show notes so you guys can go follow that Instagram. Um, but anyways, today we have my sister on again, and I'm so excited. She's one of my favorite guests to have on because she's just so truthful. And before we started, she was actually like, um, do I have to be PC on your podcast? And I was like, Don't you know that's what podcast stands for? I'm kidding. Um, I'm corny. (laughs) But yeah, so she's just a very sweet, lovely person. And she has so much to say about residency. This is a very, very chill conversation. So we're not going to be, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of like application process or anything crazy like that. But she's going to talk about residency and where she is now. So she's finished one year of her OBGYN residency in Philadelphia she has started her second year and she goes into you know what to expect during this time we talk about our current favorites our highs and lows um and it's just a really chill cool episode i just love her i love my sister um so i'm so happy to have had her on again and i hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's give her a call hello hi (laughs) welcome to the podcast one more time Thank you. All the way from Philly. Yes, we are doing this remotely, so you might hear a few changes in the, you know, microphone volumes and all of that, but (laughs) so glad you're here with me today. Well, we have to make do when we are many, many states apart, right? I know. And I was like, every every time me and my sister have like a catch-up session after, you know, three or four days of not talking, I'm like, we should just set up a microphone. Like, she's telling me all these stories about residency. I'm like crying to her about med school. Like... I feel like we should, this is us just setting up a microphone yeah, as we're having much. a conversation. I mean, every single time so. you give me a phone call, you're like, I have 15 minutes to talk. And then uh, about an hour and a half later, we're like, all right, this is a good break. You need to go back now to the real world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my favorite break to, to talk to you and talk about life and how sad I am. So, <laughs> so like always, you know the drill. You've been here before. So we're going to do our highs and lows and our favorites. And I actually don't have anything written down, so I'm going to channel my inner you know, emotions for this part. Okay. Um, but would you like to talk about your – let's start on the high note. So if you want to talk about your high for the week, what's been going on, update me. Hmm. My high for the week. It's going to be hard to pick one because I've actually had a pretty good week so far. Yeah, I would have to say that, okay, obviously it's going to have something to do with residency because I spend most of my life there. Um, but And that's what I brought you here to talk about anyways. <laughs> Great. That's what the people want. I think that um, that one of the biggest moments for me this week was where I was I was involved in a case of an advanced abortion provided to a patient um, for fetal anomalies. This was a very desired pregnancy. And I think, you know, now in my second year in residency, I think we're a little bit more sort of being introduced to like death and dying. So you know, I'm involved in that kind of care with, uh, for my patient. So after providing this to the patient, a surgical abortion, it's really just connecting with her and being there for her and her family um, during that time that I would say that was the high for me. It was a very sad moment, don't get me wrong, but just being able to be there for that patient was probably yeah. something that had the biggest long-lasting effects throughout the throughout this entire week so far my mind keeps going back to it so (laughs) so so that's definitely something you think about outside of work 
You're like, yeah. you go back to that case and it, it weighs on you a bit. It weighs on me, but it also is, I don't know, it makes my work so much more meaningful all of a sudden. Yeah. So I have to say it as a high, even though, even though it affected me as a provider. I mean, I'm even going to admit to you that after that case, I came home and just cried. But, um, but it was such a meaningful moment for me. And it just really showed me that, you know what, this is the reason why I got into doing what, I, what I'm doing currently. It's good yeah. to be reminded of that among the 80, 90 hour work weeks. <laughs> Yeah. And I think like you're, you probably surprise yourself a bit because those kinds of situations come to you and you don't have any prior experience of how to handle them. But then you surprise yourself by, you know, handling it so beautifully as you said you did. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) After that story, I feel like this is always how it goes. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like we need to have like a medical high and then like a life high because You mentioned something medical, and so I want to talk about something that happened, like, earlier this week that had me on a bit of a high. Um, so we had a workshop at school for giving bad news. It's like, delivering bad news to your patients. Like, we had a little lecture at the beginning of how to do that, and then we had a workshop session with a small group to kind of talk about, like, run through, like, practice scenarios. And, mm-hmm. you know, one person would be the provider, one person would be the patient, and then we'd switch. Yeah. And... I, I went into it thinking, like, this is really dumb. Like, how bad could this be? You know, you're telling people these things. Like, sure, you're going to know them. It's going to be, like, a very, like, sad, like, intimate situation. But, like, it just seemed like this is common sense. Like, what could there be to, you know, make this more streamlined or better? Like, what are they going to teach us? So we went through, like, the spikes protocol, which I'm sure you know yeah. everything about. <laughs> um, and then I think... I was surprised at the scenarios they were giving us because they were very, um, I'll give you an example because I feel like that's better. So I was playing a mom of like a child who was killed in a, like who's hit by a car and I was showing up to the emergency room and he had already like died on the operating table. And I was like to receive the news from a, a person in my small group and I legit blacked out like he was telling me the news and I put myself so far deep into that role that I blacked out as he was telling me and I like we had to like um give like an explanation of what how did we feel um what did you learn out of the scenario and I like told my whole small group I was like I definitely just blacked out and our um leader our our leader for that small group was like, this is the best example of that because you're not processing any of the information. So this is like Mm -hmm. a situation where the provider has to sit you down and repeat things to you and check for understanding. And so, you know, and then the roles were immediately reversed and I had to tell the same guy, you know, that his son was Mm -hmm. killed. And then it was just like a very emotionally exhausting experience, but it put me on a high because I think in that provider role, that sort of delivering bad news came very easily to me because Mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to be empathetic as you can tell like me putting myself into (laughs) that role of a mother who like who I've never even played that in any sort of way so it's just like crazy but I'm like this really affirms like my decision to become a doctor because these kinds of things come naturally to me and I want to be that person who you know who has like the maturity like emotional depth to sit someone down and, you know, have someone feel respected and safe in that situation. So that made me feel really good. And I was like, this is, you know, probably pretty daunting for a lot of people. And I was so nervous. I didn't want to volunteer um, Mm -hmm. to go for any of those scenarios, but everyone just had to go. And then I surprised myself. So, yeah. And I don't think that you ever lose that, you know, so many people, there's so many shows about all these doctors being jaded and, um, you know, like maybe jaded isn't the correct word, but like desensitized. But I don't mm-hmm. think that that really goes away. I'll be honest with you. You know, I have mentors at Ohio State that um, when I went to med school there, I really looked up to because when I was rotating with them, I saw them sit down with their patient and cry with their patient. And I think yeah. that kind of connection, you know, 
it's just so human and it brings you to the same level as the patient you know yeah. like i think when you talk to the your you know as a provider with the patient you kind of are talking in sort of like a power like a power position but when you like connect with them and empathize with them you're on the same level fighting the same battle yeah. fighting winning yeah. losing the same exact battle right and i think the ability to do that you i think you get better at it but it just keeps you on your toes and it keeps yeah. you coming back to what you do despite all the hardships in medicine and despite all the very intense work hours that's ultimately what keeps you coming back yeah yeah and i think i was more concerned about the opposite spectrum of that i get people can be desensitized but i was like am i going to be too emotional as a physician because that would be <laughs> also problematic like if if something happens on my watch or something i can't fix like you know, physicians have this complex, like, I want to fix this person, I want to make everything Mm -hmm. better for them. And if that doesn't happen, like, am I going to break down at every given chance? (laughs) And I remember in a previous podcast with Dr. Maheshwari, I was telling him about, you know, wanting to maybe do neonatology, but I would be so sad all the time. And I really want to make an impact on little babies. But would that be, you know, take a toll on, you know, my emotions? And he was like, you have to desensitize yourself to some degree, like just a small degree so that you can provide the best level of care, but it's okay to like cry with your patients. And he said that too, so. Yeah, right, exactly. It's okay to cry with your patients. It's okay to feel what they're feeling. Um, But he's right, you have to be objective in some sort, you know, so that you're able to provide the best evidence-based care for your patients. Right. Um, Even on the operating table. You have to be. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a medical or a non-medical high? Just a lifestyle, anything that like happened that maybe doesn't relate to residency. If this is daunting for you, I can go first. <laughs> Why don't you go first and let me think about it just because I'm sure there is, but I just uh, need to think about it for a second. Yeah. No, no, no. I feel you. I, this, I only thought of, you know, this giving bad news workshop because you talked about something medical, but my high was going to be something non-medical for sure. Um, So I was just telling my sister right before we started this call that I literally made this black, black bean squash chili in five minutes in my Instant Pot. And that just has me on such a high because it's so quick. It's healthy. It's vegan also. Not that I'm trying to be, but... Like, it's just so good for you. It's, like, low-calorie, like, good proteins because there's black bean in it. And I was just so surprised that I made it in literally five minutes. So I will link a recipe of that to the podcast Instagram. And you guys can get yourself an Instant Pot. I'm going to get my sister one if she doesn't buy herself one. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, it just makes you feel good when you're eating healthy. And, you know, you're living, living a good life eating a hot meal. So... I think oh, yeah. um, I, I think my high is going to be something very similar, kind of along the same. <laughs> um, you know, I discovered that recipe on um, my fitness pal actually when I was yes. very, very stringently using it throughout throughout my entire life before residency, essentially. Um, but so anyway, I'm trying to get back to those habits as well. And one of the things that I've started doing for myself just this past week is actually two different things really and they're both going to be my highs because i've maintained them throughout every single day um so one is the skincare routine that you actually advised for me and helped me establish um and i've been very religiously following that even if i fall asleep on my couch watching (laughs) tv and wake up at 1 a.m Um, I go back and make sure to wash my face, do it, and then finally get into bed. Um, And, you know, the benefit of that has been that I feel so much better when I wake up, like kind of rejuvenated, and I feel like my skin is finally starting to show that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just something that I feel like, you know, I'm doing for myself, and there's nobody else watching me, making sure that I'm doing something right or wrong. It's just something that I'm doing for my own well-being essentially and it's hard to take time out of your busy days to kind of help yourself establish that but I think I've gotten myself in a good routine there and then the second thing is I bought some lemons um, at the very beginning of this week and I told myself every single time I wake up 
I'm gonna have some lemon water no matter no matter how little time I have to get dressed for work I'm gonna do it you know I drink coffee like that but I figured that before (laughs) drinking coffee if I could make myself drink a glass of water with lemon squeezed into it ice cold water no matter how cold or hot outside it is with lemon it's the best yeah yeah (laughs) no honestly I feel like part of that is just having something you do every day that makes you feel good it doesn't even matter like oh does this actually have health benefits or like you know, right. it's just like, I'm going to do this one thing and it's going to make me feel good for the rest of the day or it's going to make me feel like I started the day right. So yeah, exactly. I, and now, I like that. on that same level, you know, I've been actually kind of waking up early. Like, okay, this is this is now kind of going off on tangents here, which I guess I That's okay. But, um, <laughs> but now going off of that, you know, I've been waking up pretty early, like five in the morning for whatever reason, even though I don't have to get to work until like seven most days. Um, but maybe kind of establishing like a 15 minute yoga flow. I think I'm following in your footsteps here, but <laughs> please do it, <laughs> which is, which is new because you always were kind of chasing me for most of your life. But now here I am following, wow. following exposing in your me on my own podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why, that's why your audience likes me because I give them the truth about you. <laughs> Honestly. No. Yeah. The episode with you is one of my most listened to right, right behind, um, the one with like Varsha and them so that it's been nice yeah people people are like you guys have such a cute relationship and I'm like it's all for the pod (laughs) 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 okay you talked about yoga so I'm gonna go into my favorites because I want to mention just doing yoga um so if if you you are send me some of your if you can send me some of your best videos or something that I can follow you know Yes. I have a nice TV. I, like, I have lots of space in my apartment, and I have a yoga mat that is collecting dust. So it's time to <laughs> Yeah. I, so I use ClassPass. I've talked about it on here before, but I use it to go to Black Swan Yoga. And I don't know. There's something about that studio where it makes me feel like I'm in this, like, really nice like metropolitan city because there's like people who've like just come from work that are like changing in the lockers like out of their like business professional clothes and they put on their yoga clothes and they come in and then it's like packed so there's like so many people from all different walks of life just coming together on their mats and it it makes me feel really nice um and then I was telling my sister (laughs) yeah out of scrubs huh exactly no there's people that change out of scrubs too and I'm like oh this is so nice like it feels like everyone's like so busy but everyone's just taking the time to like gather and then like they go their separate ways it's very cute um but yeah it makes me feel really good after I work out I like to go to power yoga so I can um do like different poses that I wouldn't normally do and then test myself like crow's pose I've been trying to land that for like so long and like every time I take a class where they do crow's pose I get closer and closer to my goal of like finally getting that so it makes you feel like you know you have you have some goal before you walk in you know on your last podcast I said wow I want to try you know going to the gym and starting swimming and all that I think it was a lofty goal though and I think yeah and because honestly it's residency's tiring you want to come home you want to chill in front of the you know your Netflix and on the couch and do nothing but eat order something from the outside get something delivered to you right and yeah um but I think starting small like starting to do like little tiny things for yourself and kind of just continuing it is the more appropriate way to go and that's what I'm establishing this week this weekend and the following one so yeah I agree with that it is you can touch base with me (laughs) next weekend to see if I follow through I'll keep you accountable yes So tell does. me about your, do you have your, uh, something, a favorite? It can be a product. It can be, <laughs> I mean, you talked about your skincare, so I guess that's kind of a favorite for you. Um, yeah. You have anything else? Um, my favorite thing. Ooh, okay. This is going to sound so silly, but it's something that I, <laughs> that, um, I was really happy about. So I wear like this really is gonna sound very silly, but I wear like low cut <laughs> socks <laughs> that have oh just been gosh. like 
I saw this on the Amazon. I saw it on the Amazon. <laughs> that have that I've been ripping because they're really old. So I've like kind of worn them all the way till their end, you know. And I kept wearing them because I was like, oh, I haven't don't have time to go and get socks right now. So I guess I'll just have to, you know, remind myself to do it later. And later never came. So I was just suffering through um, very holy socks, and. <laughs> And um, I finally was like, you know, enough is enough. And I ordered myself these like beautiful multicolored Nike socks. This is not a plug for Nike, but they're such great quality. I have small feet, so I was like, oh man, I don't know if they're going to fit. Tried them on the perfect size, like full, you know, cotton breathable material. And it just has made my day so much better because I didn't realize how much it was bothering me until I <laughs> got myself out of it. <laughs> so that's hilarious. my favorite. I will, I will link these socks because they're in our Amazon. <laughs> I will link them in the show notes if you guys are interested. <laughs> yes. um, along the same vein, I have another favorite to mention um, before we get into the meat of this podcast, you know? And um, so I've been ordering a lot of clothes from Fabletics lately and it pains my wallet but i really think that they're like one of my favorite workout brands now so i ordered the set that i've posted in several times on my instagram but the leggings from the set are called the win two power hold seven eighths leggings and i love seven eighths leggings because they're like the right size i'm short as well and so they just hit at the perfect spot to show like the right amount of ankle for like your shoes to look Mm -hmm. good you know so I wear those and then also the Cashel tanks. I really like their tank tops and they're just like very breathable. Their leggings are all like super high waisted. So they like suck you in, which is what I need at the gym. And then, yeah, so definitely do that. Never pay full price. Never pay full price for Fabletics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I get all of mine for like, you know, $20 or less. So like wait for a sale or whatever. Um. (laughs) Hudson's gonna reach out to you and... (laughs) Yeah, she's going to be like, you are literally making me go bankrupt. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, okay, so let's do a quick hot seat, okay? Because we need to get into um, the meat of this podcast and answering listener questions, which my sister is here to help me do. But I started doing hot seat to let the listeners kind of get to know my guests a bit better. So I have three questions for you. And I would like very simple, very truthful answers to them. Are you ready? Okay. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. We'll start easy. Have you taken the Harry Potter house quiz? I feel like it's a no. I have. You have. Okay. What is your Harry Potter house? So um, I actually got Hogwarts, but somebody told me. Hogwarts. Why are you saying Hogwarts? That's not a house. Gryffindor. Gryffindor. (laughs) Please edit this out. I'm dead. I was like, she hasn't taken it. She's lying. Gryffindor. But somebody told me that I would fit better with Slytherin. That's so funny. I would pick Gryffindor for you two. What would you pick for me? Maybe I am brave, but I think the Slytherin people, like people that go into the house of Slytherin are people that are very smart and um, ambitious, more ambitious than Hogwarts. than Gryffindor (laughs) yeah I guess more ambitious you're right but I could see see yourself I could see you in Gryffindor because I feel like that goes hand in hand with uh being a Taurus but yeah where would you put me I just took it pretty recently also I would probably put you in Gryffindor too uh really yeah I'm a Ravenclaw (laughs) you're Oh, so you're book smart? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess I didn't know that for um, <laughs> the past 22 years of your life. <laughs> I think I got Hufflepuff once and then I was like, no, I'm retaking this. <laughs> um, okay, second question. What is your guilty pleasure TV show? Um, guilty pleasure TV show. Oh, gosh. This is a hard one to answer because I'm currently rewatching two different shows and they're both like my guilty pleasures. I just throw them on whenever I don't want to think and don't want to have like any kind of have like white noise, but still look up and follow. So one is Friends. I yeah, that's like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one is Gossip Girl. 
Yes. Okay, that's the one I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got, actually have Gossip Girl paused right now because we're, you called me and we're doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is um, Greek. That will always yeah. be like one of my favorite shows to rewatch. Um, okay, last question. The most hard-hitting question of the three. If you weren't in medicine, what would you be doing? This is including like all aspects of medicine. Like you can't say nurse. You can't say like physician's assistant or something you know yeah fair point um i guess like from the very beginning i wanted to be a wnba player and (laughs) not sure if i would necessarily (laughs) qualify because you know i'm pretty much like five feet tall and don't have the skills that i used to anymore for basketball um but everyone always laughs at me when i say that and that's something that one of my attendings just asked me in the operating room (laughs) <laughs> on literally on Friday morning. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome though. That's a good one. I feel like most yeah. people are like, I would be doing like social work or like, you know, something that relates. But I like nah, that. I used to be a good basketball player back in the day. Marone is going to laugh so hard at this because I talk about basketball all the time too. I'm like, <laughs> I was a point guard, okay? <laughs> okay, wait, can I put you in the hot seat? Because I don't actually know. What would you be doing? Okay, I do know, but I just want to hear Yeah, it. I was like, this is so easy. <laughs> okay, I, I really think, I love podcasting too now. So my first answer would be either like singing, um, oh, but it would have there. to be, I know. <laughs> it would have to be something where I am on like a really big stage. I don't know if I would be like struggling in singing. Like I would definitely like just pick up something else if it didn't like work out for me. I'm not mm-hmm. like that set on it. Um, but also with podcasting and like working on social media for the podcast and everything, I really like like digital creation, like Mm -hmm. graphic design or like social media marketing. Like I like that stuff, but that seems like something I can, you know, work on that can be a hobby too. So yeah, it pretty much is right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but yeah. Okay. Let's get into a few questions that I have. I want to kind of update the last episode that we did together. Um, and talk more about what resident life is really like now that you're going into or that you are well into your second year. Um, so what has it been like? What is your favorite part? Um, I think residency is a very difficult (laughs) journey. Um, you know, you're kind of, you're tied to your work life um, and finding a balance is very difficult sometimes. Um, I think your favorite part is always going to be learning and patient care and or even doing a really interesting, cool surgical case. Um, And that's what's going to keep you coming back the next day. Uh, But I think the most difficult part is trying to find a balance outside of work and something gratifying outside of work to make sure that you have something that's going for yourself so that when you do have those really bad days in the hospital where something doesn't work out or a patient you know doesn't have the outcome that you expected um, or hoped and part of it is your fault or maybe even something that you did um, so that when those things happen you have something or even someone at home to go home to and I think, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you have to find that balance for yourself. You know, you have to take yeah. care of yourself. You have to sort of define what's important to you um, on top of work because, you know, you wouldn't be in this field if you didn't already think that being a doctor was important. It's just determining what else is. So do you feel like you have enough time to establish those things? Like, do you have any forms of self-care that you use or are you working on that still? I'm still working on it. It's a, it's a, something that's in progress and something that's always changing. Um, I just got off of like a very tough rotation where I was, it was nights and nights were always hard. And, um, you know, I had themes to my nights of different types of emergencies that came up that 
night or that week. Um, you know, whether it was a ruptured ectopic pregnancy that we had to go back to the operating for as an emergency case or a repeat, very difficult C-section that came to triage and labor and we had to run back and operate or twins with where one of the little babies was, had a hand in the vagina, you know, and like, we have to go oh back God. to an emergency C-section right then and there. Um, anyways, so that's a very tough rotation. And I was working for maybe anywhere from 13 to 15 hours. Um, sometimes where I had only about three hours to myself and I had to decide whether I wanted to shower or sleep more or eat. (laughs) And so when that happens, you don't have time to get up and go to go work out or meal prep and eat healthy. I tried to meal prep during that rotation actually. Um, and it didn't work out quite as well as I wanted it to, but that's okay. You learn to yeah. sort of say, it's okay, move on and keep trying. Um, mm-hmm. So now I'm on GYN, which is a much easier rotation for me. Um, I'm in clinic a lot. I'm in the operating room a lot. It's still pretty exciting to be in, there and go to work, etc. But now I'm trying to eat healthier, trying to do things for myself that would give me more energy rather than just drinking more coffee. <laughs> give me yeah. more energy like on more of a long-term basis. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've sort of learned is that I really miss doing an activity that, mm-hmm. that you take out the time for, that you prioritize. You know, I always had something, whether it was tennis, basketball, like I said, back in the day, swimming, um, or some sort of club or interest group during med school mm-hmm. or undergrad. You know, there was something always... Uh, extracurricular that was always there and you just have to decide whether once you're an adult and what I mean by that you know out in the real world which is kind of like residency not really but kind of you have to decide Mm -hmm. what's important and what you're going to prioritize so I'm still learning even in the second year of residency still learning (laughs) I know Um, I remember so I did an episode last week about like burnout and just talking about how like after a really hard exam, you can feel just completely crushed. Mind you, I ended up passing that exam, so we're all good. But um, I, I was just crushed because I was like, is this all it is? Like, is it just taking exams back to back? And so, like, how do you get yourself out of that sort of school of thought? Because I'm still preclinical, so I haven't – I don't see patients that make me, you know, affirm my decision every day, like – so yeah. what, is, what is your advice for preclinical students that might be facing that kind of burnout that we talked about? Um, so for, you know, preclinical, for the preclinical parts of your life, I would say that I remember it was so hard. It was so hard to get up the next day and keep going on, you know? There's so much information that just continuously thrown at you, you know? One of the analogies, yeah. I think, I don't know if I've said it before or maybe somebody else has said it before on this podcast, but it's like trying to drink from a fire hose, right? Yeah. And it's it's hard. It's It's a lot of information and life keeps going on on top of that, right? Um, but I think one of the best things that I would, one of the best pieces of advice that I would encourage is trying to find one thing that no matter what happens, you decide to do. Yeah. And for me in medical school, that was going to the gym as, Mm -hmm. you know, as simple and silly as that sounds, that was like an outlet for me. Um, and I did it no matter what happened. I went and... Um, I prioritized it. I kept it up and despite, you know, having an exam in three days, etc. Um, for my roommate, it was going dancing and she mm-hmm. would, she was a, she was a ballet dancer before med school started and she would go to a hip hop class. Sometimes I would go with her and, you know, like you just decide that you have to prioritize that. For my other meds, my, for my other med school roommate, it was um, he really liked you know building things. 
So she <laughs> decided to build an entire aquarium, basically in the basement of our apartment, where he constructed like a very interesting looking like little ecosystem where he had two tanks of like schools of fish (laughs) anyway you find things that you liked as nerdy as that sounds that you want to prioritize and right you just you just have to okay well I was I was going to change the subject a little bit but I talked about um like finding mentors on last on last week's podcast Mm -hmm. so I was like you know talking to my sister or talking to some like an EM physician maybe I'm you know trying to find out what the lifestyle is like for that or like talk about what kind of roadblocks they've faced that makes me feel a lot better in the position that I'm in like okay this is all part of the process sort of thing yeah so like what is what is your experience with mentorship and you know any advice for like finding mentors um I would say look even outside of your own specialty or any kind mm. of subspecialty that you're interested in. Um, when I was in med school, I was actually interested between like urology and OBGYN. I ended up going into OB, but I still kept around my mentors um, that and friends, really, um, that I got from urology. And that included going to things like happy hours and just blowing off steam um, or texting this person um, who I still think of as a mentor and who we still keep in touch. Um, You know, I texted him just the other day saying, I'm so much happier now that I am on days or I'm so much more stressed now because my patient didn't do so well. And I talked to him about that and he talks to me and now also talks to me about his experiences he's a fellow right now, also talks to me about those experiences. And I provide sort of the same sort, you know, backboard for him to where he can bounce off ideas or bounce off thoughts and, and his, you know, his feelings. And I think that's huge. It's something that I think it's something that just gives you a lot more perspective because he's able to, he's gone through residency already. So he gives me a lot of insight into that. And, you know, he's, if he's having any trouble in his fellowship, I see it from a whole different perspective because I'm such an outsider to it that I give him new perspective on that. So I would say look outside of even your own subspecialty. You know, look outside of the people that are going to help you just build your resume. I had plenty of mentors that that were like that, people that are going to help me go the correct direction for my career. But you know, to find those like mentors that are there for life and to find sort of even just people that are going to become friends to you and look everywhere. Yeah, I like that. And just to kind of add to that, I didn't know the right way to talk about this, but I made a, a post about finding mentors and I was like, don't go after it with the expectation of anything. So like if you're expecting to get a rec letter out of it or you're expecting to get your foot in the door mm-hmm. for something, like that kind of thing is never going to work out to your benefit, I feel like. They're not going to know your character. They're not going to like vouch for you in times when you don't even know, you know? Yeah. So I feel like you need to like branch out and just like keep in touch with anyone you come into contact with that you think could be a mentor to you. Like you want to yeah, send exactly. up like follow follow-up emails or like maybe you have their phone number, you want to like get advice on something and like it's okay to text them, like keep it like that, not not so much like asking for rec letters. I don't know. I feel like a lot of like the pre-med mentality is like, "Oh, I'll keep around this person to get this thing from them." Yeah. Um, and I think I think that mentality exists in med school too when you're, you know, preclinical. I think a lot of med students um have a tendency to s- sort of reach out to um, the top of the ladder, you know, the directors, the uh, fellowship coordinate or directors and the chairmans and et cetera. But um, don't forget the residents, right? That's what I would say. Um, they're yeah. much closer to you in age. I now, you know, have med, med students of my own and I always give out my phone number and I'm like, if you are interested in talking about this residency program, shoot me a text. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. You know, maybe over coffee, maybe over drinks. And um, and that's how you'll really get to know what life after is all about. And what right now, those tests after tests that you're taking, 
what that is going to you know amount to eventually right exactly yeah that's exactly why I mentioned mentorship too um (laughs) so I wanted to address that because I was like I hope I didn't come off like too depressed sounding in the last episode I wanted to like give more like ways to mitigate that feeling of burnout so I'm glad we talked about that um so quick question kind of personal about you um what if you feel like you've learned through the first year of residency um, you mean on top of loads and loads of OBGYN? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What have you learned um, about yourself? <laughs> um, what have I learned about myself? I think um, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that in an emergency situation, which let me tell you, there are a lot of on the labor floor and also on the GYN side of things, on an emergency basis or in any kind of emergency situation, I find that I actually respond quite well to it. You know, I'm objective. I clear my head of thoughts. I freak out later, sure. But in that moment, I'm thinking clearly and I know what to do. Um, And thankfully, I haven't had any insanely bad outcomes. On the other side of that, there are always going to be bad outcomes that you can't help and that you can't, you know, prevent. Um, And those have happened to me as they will with, you know, if you go through residency and say that they've never happened to you, it's because you unfortunately did not get a good experience or a good volume of patients to see. Right. And I hope that that doesn't happen to anybody. I think that's, this is the time to learn about how you respond and how to deal with those things and situations. Um, So when bad outcomes do happen, I have realized that I take them home with me. And in the sense that I've had patients that I have left lost sleep over, you know, Um, and I wake up and I check the patient chart. The first thing I do is check it and see how everything went or whatever. Yeah. Um, And I keep tabs on the people that I'm really concerned about, even though I'm no longer you know, the, the person that's providing the primary care. So yeah. say I admitted them and I'm no longer taking care of them because I've moved on to a different team, etc. But I keep tabs on them if I'm really, really concerned about something. Um, in a way, it's good, I think. But in a way, it's also something that's all-consuming. Um, and then, you know, as a result of that, my first response is also just, like, it's guilt. It's like, oh, man, is mm-hmm. there anything that I could have done better? Um I think it comes from really taking ownership of my patients and learning how to feel that weight of responsibility if something happens to them. Um, And that's like, I think that's one of the hardest things to learn. You know, as an intern, I think your, your hand is held and you're led to the right places at right times. And you're sort of protected from the experience of death and dying you know for us intern year a lot of it has to do with the labor floor and most of the times it's happy beautiful deliveries but um there is the other side of that and you don't deal with it until you become a second year so i'm dealing with it now and it's a whole new game it's a whole new level of stress that i don't think that any any sort of acronym like spikes and any kind of yeah you know, moment in med med school is really going to prepare you for. I'll be honest. Yeah. You get those experiences. That's what residency is all about. Yeah. And then once you're out in the real world and attending on your own and making decisions that you can't run by anybody else, how to be confident in the ones that you make, even if they lead lead you to a bad outcome. Yeah. Right? Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. There's just so many layers there's lots of layers and it puts things into perspective, you know, like for instance, I have seen, I've had lots of experiences with, you know, bad outcomes in med school, right? I saw lots of people pass away, but I never felt the amount of weight and the amount of emotion that I do now, because all of a sudden you are the person that's their primary caretaker 
and you yeah. feel that responsibility. I think as a med student, you see it and you feel it, but you don't know how it truly, what it's truly like unless, until you're the one who's, you know, pronouncing somebody or until you're the one that, you know, is putting in an order that, that affects the patient directly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. That's nuts that someone is going to trust me enough to make those decisions. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to scare you or any of your viewers, but you're going to be taken on a step-by-step level and the climb in residency. Literally steps. The... <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much steeper, you know, that, that yeah. learning curve is a, yeah. it's a lot more steeper. And for a whole new reason, it's no longer about you know, hey, do you know the receptor that this protein binds to? Um, it's about, you know, okay, this patient is not doing so well. What can I do right now to help him or her? Right. You're just kind yeah. of going back so to I, the basics. Yeah. Along that same thread, do you have any um, maybe just words of wisdom for people that are entering clinics soon, a.k.a. me, in like three months? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say, and this is something that I tell every single medical student um, that has worked with me to this day, I would say that you are at your prime. You know, the world is your oyster. This is your moment to have as many experiences as you can and then decide what kind of experience you want for the rest of your life. So why not get involved with every little thing that you can? Why not stay that extra hour so you can see that delivery? Why not stay, you know, come in early to round on your patients, right? I think that's how I went through my third year of med school because that's when we started preclinicals. And I jumped on every single opportunity. My first rotation was urology, oddly enough. And um, I got to do a, I got to place a ureteral stent on my own. Mm -hmm. And to this day, when I tell residents that, they can't even believe that because nobody, residents have not done that, you know, and I didn't know if I wanted to go into this subspecialty, but I kept an open mind throughout third year and I had, I jumped on any kind of experience that I could have. Right. Whether that meant it was learning about a particular interesting case that I saw in, in clinic, or it was saying, Hey, can I help you with that procedure? And then the resident being, why don't you do it instead? Right. Like, I trust yeah. you. I have a good relationship with you. Here is, now you're responsible for doing this on the patient. <laughs> right. That is crazy. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, I got to do a, um, a lumbar puncture. I got to do um, a paracentesis. I got to do a C-section as the primary surgeon as a med student. Um, and you just, you just have to be assertive, willing to learn with an open mind and sort of, you know, find that balance between being assertive and being annoying, you know, decide. I'm serious. Like residency is very busy. Residents are very busy and stressed and have a million things to do. They don't have that hour and 20 minutes to spend with every single patient like you do. So take that Take that to an advantage, you know, take advantage of the fact that you can learn so much about that patient. And when you do your patient cases and present your patients in the morning, show that you know them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what I would say. (laughs) I love that. I like getting like, what is the ideal med student for a resident? I like getting that advice from you because I I take it to heart. (laughs) Yeah. I actually had two medical students that I still remember, and I gave them very glowing reviews. We actually ended up giving them an honors. And, um, and the reason for that was because they really quickly were able to, they were very A, aware of the situation that was happening, you know, mm-hmm. um, aware of what was going on around them, aware of what the residents were trying to do and what the end goal was every single day because the situation changes and you have to learn to adapt as a med student to every single situation you're placed in. And they were really good at doing that. They were very kind to all of the medical, uh, all of the nursing staff, all of the patients. They had, they were very composed and very easygoing, 
right? Like very、mm-hmm. easy to get along with as well.、Uh, they, to me, they didn't need to know what receptor is upregulated during pregnancy on the uterus, right? You can learn、mm-hmm. that, and I can teach you that. But the fact that they were so incredibly aware of what was going on and able to anticipate what I needed. And help out and become a very fluid part of the team. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. And they jumped on opportunities. One of them went to a rapid response for an oncology patient and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm ACLS certified. I can get up there and do chest compressions." We were like, "Go ahead." Start. She started doing chest compressions. Oh my、and、gosh. That assertiveness. Yeah, that assertiveness is what I'm looking for. Along with being like, along with being. Along with being and having the ability to say, "Let me take a step back," because clearly things are chaotic right now and crazy, and let me see where I can help out with, even if that means going and fetching the the printer, you know, the papers that were just printed by this resident. You see what、right. I mean? There's a good balance、yeah. to be to be、um, to be at and to find. Right. Yeah, and I let those med students comes- like sew with me, stitch with me, you know, learn suturing, learn surgical skills, deliver babies with me, everything. Yeah, because I genuinely wanted to teach them. Right. Yeah, I like that, <laughs> and I, I、yeah. also like the stories of the not so great medical students. You tell me, but that can be pers- <laughs> that can be private. <laughs> yeah, I just know what not to do, <laughs> so、yes. maybe I'll talk about that. Maybe I'll talk about that with no like personal information on a different episode. <laughs> yeah,、um, we can use some examples, and that's okay because、um, I think they can apply to everybody. Right.、Um, so as we're wrapping up here, I do have a few listener questions that I would love your help answering.、Um, some of them relate to undergrad, so I know it's been a while for you.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really long time.、Um, okay. But... Well, let's not give my age away now. <laughs> But okay, let's listen to the first question. How do you get into med school if you have a low undergrad GPA and can't afford to do post back? So I would say to that person,、um, do we know anything about how far along they are at in their undergrad? I want to say she's a sophomore. So、um, for that person, take some courses that. Will help yourself, help you boost up that GPA as much as you can up until the time to apply. I would also say that you need other things on your resume to distract from that number. So, get involved in research, get involved in、um, community service, get involved in volunteering at the hospital. Get your name out there. Learn, learn about. You know the deans and etc. of the medical school that you are trying to get into. Go meet up with them and find their advice. Talk to them, right? Yeah. And that's like the biggest advice that I would give you: a find distractors on your resume. B get your name out there so that they can say, "Oh, I can put a name to this face when that application does come through the door," right? And that、exactly. will get you that interview. Yeah. Okay, so thank you so much for my sister joining me on this podcast. I was gonna say Seaster. <laughs> I stopped myself.、Um, yeah, but yeah, thank、welcome. you so much for being here. I think you, you know everyone's really、Seaster. gonna enjoy listening to the insights on residency and hearing what a perfect medical student is like for a resident. <laughs>、um, yeah, and I've got so many more examples of that too. So yeah, sounds good. Okay, well, we're gonna close this off. I hope you guys have a great Sunday, and thanks for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are.